We hope you'll be blessed and inspired and challenged and motivated by this fresh word from Christian Heritage Church. We find that story recorded in the book of Luke, chapter 7, verses 37 and 38. The Bible tells us that Jesus accepted the invitation of a Pharisee and went to his house for dinner. And as he was there in the house, a woman, the Bible says, who was a sinner. When you read that from the Greek, you know and understand it means she was a lady of the streets. She was an outcast. She was someone that was always and often overlooked by religion. They had no time and no place for her. But the Bible says that she came in weeping, allowing her tears to fall on the feet of Jesus Christ and wash his feet and then used her hair to dry those tears. And then she took that box, that alabaster box, a very expensive ointment, and she broke it and began to anoint his feet. You see, she understood he hasn't forgotten me. She understood he has not overlooked me. She understood this man called Jesus, who is the Christ, he loves even me. She understood what many yet today haven't grasped. Then it doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter the path you've walked. Calvary covers it all. She understood that if I have the courage to approach him, he's going to receive me. He's going to put his arms around me. He's going to welcome me. He will not reject me. Oh, church, listen to me this morning. Those of you sitting in this room who don't know Christ as your Savior, listen to me today. He longs to welcome you. He longs to receive you. He longs to show you His grace, His mercy, His compassion, and His forgiveness. Well, I've come to tell you the difference between Christianity and the other religions of the world is we don't have to tremble in fear over displeasing our God because through Jesus, we are covered by His grace. He accepts us. He welcomes us. He receives us even more than that. He calls us sons and daughters. Even more than that, he calls us friends. He wants to walk in relationship with you and me. You are not alone. You have not been forgotten. I asked Amy to do that song so we could start this message with the tone that it doesn't matter who you are or where you've been, you're not forgotten. If you turn to 1 Peter chapter 1 and we'll read verses 1 and 2 from the message, please, Donna. I just want it from the message. You'll see that Peter says, I'm writing to the believers who were dispersed throughout the regions. There we go. I, Peter, an apostle on assignment by Jesus. And he's writing to those who have been dispersed. The next verse, please. And he goes on to say, not one of you, you've been scattered to the four winds, but not one is missing and not one forgotten. I want you to hear that this morning. Not one is missing, not one forgotten. Not one is missing, not one forgotten. My Bible tells me in the book of Matthew that Jesus notices the sparrow that falls. That Jesus is aware when the lilies in the field turn and fade and die. So much so, it even goes on to say he knows the hairs on our head and the number thereof. He knows every detail of your life. Those of you in this room, you think God doesn't care? I've come to tell you a different story this morning. I've come to tell you, not one of you are missing, and not one of you are forgotten. The Father has His eye upon you. The Father has a plan for your life. The Father desires to shower you in grace and in mercy today. 
At the close of the service this morning, we're going to baptize 10 or 12 people who are declaring, I've found the fact that God has not forgotten me, who've received Jesus as the Lord and Savior. They're going to follow him in baptism and declare their faith in a public manner. Oh, come on, folks. It's time you and I realized and understood we are not forgotten. And we're not alone. Peter said, and I'm writing to you that have been scattered by the persecution that's ongoing in Jerusalem. You know the story, we've talked about it the last three weeks, so I won't repeat it. If you weren't here, buy the CDs or the DVDs or watch it for free online. But you need to understand, when pressure comes against the church and the church is scattered, God doesn't forget us. God doesn't overlook us. God always knows who we are, where we're at, and what we're going through. Listen, it doesn't matter how tight your family is. It doesn't matter how great your friends are. The simple truth is every one of us walk through times in our life when we feel like we're all alone. There's no one to stand with us. No one to stand by me. No one to plead my case before the throne. We feel like we're all alone. And I've come today to disperse that notion, to dispel that fear, and to tell you the God I serve has already declared, I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you. Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. We need to understand when things are difficult, when we're living in a society and in circumstances, that are bringing pressure and pain and challenge into our life, it's essential that we remember we are not forgotten and we are not alone. Because isolation is a tool of the devil. Isolation is a tool that he uses to separate you from the family of God, to separate you from the promises of God, to separate you from the hope that you have in Jesus Christ. And when he begins to isolate you, Cause you to step back. I don't know how many times I've seen this. Things start going wrong in the life of the believer. You know what we should do? We should run to the altar as fast as our little old legs will carry us. We should plead the blood as loud as our voice will go. But too often we do the opposite. I guess God's forgotten me. I guess God doesn't care about me anymore. If God really remembered me, he would know what I'm going through. You say, oh, you're just making it up. No, not. It's in the scripture. You can read it. It's in Mark chapter 4. The disciples were in the boat. Jesus was asleep on the pillow. And they thought they were going to die. And they woke him up and they said, Master, don't you care that we're even going to perish because he was asleep? You see, we're the same way. When the storms hit our lives, we forget Jesus is in the boat with us. And we begin to fear and we allow the Satan to isolate us and take us away from the promises of God and from the hope that is in the Lord and the help that comes from the body of Christ. Oh, listen to me, church. When trouble comes, you don't run out, you run in. You don't step back, you step up. When trouble comes, and mark my word, it will. Well, I don't like that kind of preaching. I don't care. It's true. That's why we have a bunch of baby believers that are an inch wide and a mile deep because they don't like the truth. The truth is you will suffer persecution if you're godly. If you're living for Christ, it's going to happen. You need to understand that. It's a simple fact. I'm not making it up. It's not that I'm wishing doom and gloom, but you need to understand things will not always go your way. And if you have this warped, twisted view of Christianity that says, well, if I'm living for Jesus, 
then life is going to be happy and wonderful. It's going to be on cloud nine all the time. I'm sorry to disappoint you, but you don't know the real Christian life. There is an enemy. His tool is isolation. If he can separate you from the truth, if he can separate you from the word, oh friend, when trouble comes to your life, run to the word of God. It's your shelter. It's your strength. It's your rock. It's my high tower. In it will I trust. Run to the word. Run to the power of the Holy Spirit moving in and through your life. When trouble comes, we don't hide. We stand up. We square our shoulders and we say, I know that God who lives in me is well able to overcome this as well. We begin voicing the words of the Old Testament. We step into the place where David was at when as just a mere lad, he went down to see his brothers. They were arrayed in army formation against the Philistines. When he got there for the last 40 days, a giant named Goliath had been defiling the armies of Israel more importantly, defiling the armies of God. And the Bible says David started saying, what's going on? Why is this happening? And he was rebuked by his older brother. It's, you need to turn and read that in 1 Samuel chapter 17. I don't have time to go into it this morning. But you'll see that when he did that, his older brother Eliab said to him, why don't you just go back and tend those few measly sheep that you have? This is a man's job. I can almost see the wheels in David's mind turning. Well, if it's a man's job, why haven't you manned up? Why haven't you done something about it? Why are you letting that uncircumcised Philistine defy the army of the living God, defy the God of Israel? So when Eliab rebuked him, it's interesting, read it in the scripture. Some of you need to hear this. When Eliab rebuked him, you know what David did? He didn't say a word to him. He just turned, started talking to somebody else. Oh, come on. You need to get that in your spirit. You need to quit listening to those voices that tell you you have no hope. You have no right. You have no opportunity. And you need to turn your back and hear the voice of the living God. Some of us need to learn to shut some stuff out so we can hear God one more time. The Bible says that David said, well, I'll fight him. I'm not afraid of him. Well, he was just a brash young man. No, there was a difference in David and every other person on that battlefield. You can go back to 1 Samuel chapter 16 and you'll see that difference. When he was anointed as the future king over Israel, it says, and from that day forward, the spirit of the Lord was upon him. What was the difference? The difference was the Holy Ghost of God was moving in and through his life. And he was not going to allow fear or the thought of defeat to overcome him. Oh, hear me. When you're in that place of pressure, stand up and let let the Holy Ghost flow through you as David of old. You know the story? He took his slingshot, his staff, five smooth stones, and he went to meet the giant. The Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 17 that when the giant began coming towards him, David ran towards him. Oh, come on. Somebody needs to hear that. You should never be shot in the back if you're living for Jesus Christ. Come on. You need to be running to the battle, not running away from it. Why? Because you already know the outcome. David already knew the Philistine was dead. He already knew the power was in his hand to bring the victory. He said to that giant, you come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the God of Israel. Israel. I come to you in the name of the God who is going to destroy you in this place today. But not you only, but everybody that's following you. Listen, in that moment, there was nobody else on the battlefield except David. Now, there were thousands of Israeli soldiers. 
But they were hiding at the back of the valley. They were already scared. Forty days they had been blustered. They had been bullied. They had been beaten down by this giant. And then this little guy named David who was full of the Holy Ghost stepped onto that arena. And when the giant began to tell him what he was going to do, David said, This day will the God of Israel give me your head. This day will I feed your carcasses to the, to the birds of the air. Oh, come on, friends. This is the day when you realize I'm not alone and I am not forgotten. God has not forsaken me. Just because my life may be difficult, just because things aren't going that my way, it doesn't mean I'm alone. It doesn't mean I'm forgotten. It means he's getting ready. Oh, you hear me? Listen, listen, listen. It means he's getting ready to bring the victory into my heart and into my life. Oh, Maurice Laws, I came to tell you this morning, the devil is a liar. The devil is a liar. The devil is a liar. And Jesus Christ is coming with healing in his wings. He's coming with healing in his wings. The devil is a liar. We need to understand it today. When it looks like everybody's against us and we're standing all by ourselves. Oh, it ain't so. God is right there with us. He's right there with us. You know the story. When Goliath fell and David killed him, suddenly the armies of Israel were invigorated with courage and strength and power. Oh, listen to me. God is looking for somebody who will stand up when you're all by yourself, when you're all alone, when it feels like you're forgotten. He's looking for somebody to stand up and say, my God has not forgotten me. There is a cause. There is a reason. There is a hope alive in me and I will pursue him and he will bring victory because when you do listen when you do those that have been watching from the sidelines oh suddenly they come swarming in those that you thought were already cowardly and discouraged suddenly your faith and renews their faith suddenly your courage inspires their courage and you're no longer alone but you're fighting side by side somebody hear it God's looking for you to step up he's looking for you to man up and let the spirit of God flow through your heart and flow through your life and say well that's just one instance I know it is but the Old Testament's full of them literally full of matter of fact in David's life He went from that great place of victory to being accommodated and welcomed by the king. To a point where the king, because he was insanely jealous, tried to kill him and destroy him. And you can read it on over a couple of chapters in 1 Samuel. David had to flee for his life. He was leaving Jerusalem, the city of the king, the city of God. And on his way out, he stopped at Nob, which was the village or the city of the priests. And he went into Ahimelech and he said to him, do you have some bread? And he gave him the show bread, the holy bread, five loaves, the Bible says. And then he said, do you have a sword or a spear? I don't have any weapons. Now listen to me. Somebody needs to get this this morning because you feel all alone. You feel isolated. You feel forgotten. You feel powerless. 
But when you come to the king, when you come to the priest, when you come to the altar, when you come to the place where God is, this is what he's going to do. He's going to give you bread to eat. He's going to meet your every need. And then he's going to put a sword in your hand. Not just a sword, but he's going to give you a weapon that will remind you of his great power, his ability, and his victory already shown in your life. Because you know what the priest said? He said, the only thing I've got... Because I've got the sword of Goliath that you took from him. It's wrapped and laying behind the altar. Take it and use it. And what did David said? Oh yeah, I'll take it. There is no sword like that sword. Oh, hear me. When you think you're isolated, when you think you're alone, God's going to take you back to the victories he's already won. And he's going to remind you, I provide for you. I care for you. You're not alone. I'm with you. And here's the sword of your victory to prove it one more time. Oh, somebody get that in your spirit. Quit feeling sorry for yourself and revisit the victories God has given to you. Revisit the things he has already done. Remind yourself of his goodness, of his mercy, of his provision. Remind yourself, my God has never failed me and he isn't going to start now. Remind yourself, his grace is sufficient for me. His power and authority is over all, in all, through all. He is able, able. To overcome in the circumstance. And let him put that sword back in your hand. You may be running for your life and he's saying stop. Get some bread. Get a weapon. And get back into the fight. You see when you're alone. When you think you're forgotten. You sit down. You quit fighting. You quit battling. Oh there is no wound that is worse. Than a wound of a brother. I believe it's in Psalm 55 that David said, if it would have been my enemy that came against me, I could have tolerated it. But it wasn't, it was you, my brother, that I walked hand in hand with to the temple, that we shared our hearts with one and one. There is no wound that is more difficult than the wound of a brother. But in that time, when Satan uses someone else to wound you, to try to offend you, to separate you from the family, to isolate you and put you by yourself, you need to come right back and say, but I know my Redeemer liveth. I know my God is victorious. I know my God is well able. I am not giving up. I am not giving in. I'm not going to buy that lie. I'm going to be victorious in Jesus' name. Daniel chapter 3, there were three young men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were exiles, captives from Jerusalem, taken into the kingdom of Nebuchadnezzar. The Bible says that this wicked king built this huge idol, 60 cubits high, 6 cubits wide. It's made of gold, and then he said, everybody in the kingdom is going to bow on a certain day and certain time and worship my idol. Except these three guys, we aren't having any part of this. Come on, there's spiritual application. We need to understand. Our society has built tens of thousands of altars and they expect us to bow at them. But I'm here to tell you, there is still only one true God. His name is Jehovah. I will bow or bend to no other than Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. I'm not going to bow to the idols of today or the idols of expediency, or the idols of entertainment, or the idols of popularity, or the idols of wealth and riches. It's time for the church to remember, we don't bow. We worship the living and the true God. 
When they refused to bow, the king called them in, gave them another chance. You know what they said? You can read it in Daniel chapter 3. They said, oh, king, we're not careful to answer you in this matter. For the God we serve is well able to deliver, deliver us out of your hand. Then I like the next verse. But even if he doesn't. Oh, come on, church. There's got to be some even if he doesn't in your spirit. There's got to be some even if it doesn't, if even, even if he doesn't in your heart. You've got to know and understand I'm believing for deliverance. I'm believing for victory. But know this, wicked king, even if he doesn't, I'm going to serve him anyway. If he chooses to slay us in the fire, I'm going to serve him anyway. I'm not backing up. I'm not bowing to your idol. I'm serving the living God. You know the story that bound him? Heated the furnace seven times hotter, so hot that the guys that threw him in actually died. That's pretty hot. The Bible says that after a period of time, when the fires burned down a little bit, the king looked down into that fire. And he said, look, I see four men loosed, walking around. He said, didn't we just throw three in? They said, yeah, we did. Weren't they bound? Yes, they were. I see four men loosed, walking about, and the fourth, oh, I love it. The fourth is likened to the Son of God. Oh, hear me. When you're in the fire, you're never alone. When you're in the fire, you're never forgotten. When you're in the trial, he is right there with you. Hear me, folks. Read the rest of that scripture. It says that when they came out, their hair wasn't singed. Their clothing wasn't burned, and this is the statement I really like. There wasn't even the smell of smoke on them. What am I saying to you? I'm saying to you, if you'll decide it, I am not alone. I am not forgotten. Then when you walk through the fire, when you walk through the trial, you're going to come out like you were never in it. You're going to come out unscathed. You're going to come out giving glory and honor to the King of Kings. Oh, come on, church. It's time to recognize the smoke, the fire had no effect on them. Because they said, we're worshiping the king. We're not alone. We're not forgotten. Daniel chapter 6. Nebuchadnezzar died. Darius became the king of the kingdom. He had some advisors who didn't like the Jews, particularly Daniel and his three friends. So they got this new king to pass a law that says, no one can pray to any other god for 30 days except you. That's a pretty good idea. So he signed it. And then the Bible says, you can read it in Daniel chapter 6, when Daniel learned of this new law, he went back to his room, opened the windows towards Jerusalem, and prayed three times a day as his custom was since he was a youth. Oh, hear me. You need to get it down deep in your spirit where you say it doesn't matter what somebody says. I'm going to obey God. I'm going to do what God's called me to do. I am not forsaken. I am not forgotten. And the God I know will deliver me. Read the rest of the story. The king was really distraught because he liked Daniel and he valued his advice and He'd been trapped. He had no choice but to throw him in the lion's den. But the king made this statement to Daniel before he threw him in the lion's den. That's what's amazing. The king made this statement. This king wasn't godly. This king wasn't serving Jehovah. Otherwise, he would never have passed the edict and wrote the law that was condemning Daniel. But the king said, Daniel, 
I know your God is able to deliver you. Why am I saying that? I'm saying that because you need to know if I'm walking right, if I'm living right, if I'm full of the Holy Ghost, somebody out there is going to notice. And when I walk into troubles, you'll find the ungodly. You'll find the heathen encouraging you, saying, I know the God you serve is going to deliver you. They threw him in the lion's den, shut it up with a rock, put the seal over it. The king didn't sleep at all that night. He was praying for Daniel. Very early in the morning, it says, he got up. They rolled that stone away. And he yelled down in that lion's den, Daniel, did your God preserve you? And Daniel said, yes, king, the God I serve sent an angel and he shut the mouth of the lions and I am still here. Oh, come on, somebody. You may go into the den, but I got news for you. You're going to see Gabriel standing right there beside you. He's going to have a pair of CT pliers and a rolling bailing wire. And he's already shut the mouth of those lions and he's bringing you to victory. Never fear because you're not alone. And you're not abandoned. He has not forgotten you. He has not forgotten you. No one understand today that the God we serve doesn't forget his children. He knows who you are. He knows where you are. He knows what you're going through. You know, so many times over the last two and a half years, I've felt like, man, I'm in this all by myself. It's just me and you, Jesus. I've even made that statement from time to time. If it's just me and Jesus, that's enough because we're a majority. That offends some people, but that should encourage you. Really should. And then God reminds me, you're not by yourself. I give you a helpmate. Her name's Yvonne. And she is with you every step of the way. You're not alone. What's the matter with you, boy? You're not by yourself. You've got someone agreeing with you and praying with you. And then God reminds me, with the board of trustees and their spouses, stand and come right now. I didn't tell you about this, so be quick. If you're on the board of trustees, stand and come right now. Stand right here beside Yvonne and I. And then God reminds me, you're not alone. It's not just you and Yvonne. There's a whole bunch of other people, seven of them, with their spouses, who are standing behind you and believing God in your behalf, who believe that what God has done is going to be good and great and mighty and wonderful, and they don't give up. They don't give up. They prayed for me. They've stood behind. I love these folks with all my heart because they tell me on a regular basis, I'm not alone. I'm not by myself. This isn't just me. And then God reminds me, it's not just these folks. I put a whole lot more folks around you. Pastor Mike and Sean, come. Daniel and Jessica, come. Chris, come. Keturah, come. I'll never forget when... About six months into our tenure here, I had to let go of the children's pastor. And this dear little lady right here, Miss Katura, she came and she said, Pastor, if you let me, I'll do it. I'll do it. She's got a heart for kids, a love for God. And folks, you need to know you can trust her because she loves what God is doing through her to touch your children. He gave us people like that. And then he gave us Chris. Oh man, he's my brother. He's my brother. 
And he loves me. He's there for me. He supports me. And he gave us Daniel and Jessica to lead our student ministries. And they stand strong in the Lord. They don't bend. They don't bow. They stand and declare the truth of God's word. He gave us Pastor Mike and Sean. And they stand to defend us and to stand around us and to remind me I'm not alone. And he gave us Tom and Melissa. And they lead us in worship every week. They take us to the throne. These folks do what I can't do because I'm not alone. Ministry leaders across this room, if you lead any ministry, stand to your feet. If you lead any ministry, stand to your feet wherever you're at. Across this room, if you're a ministry leader, yes, Todd in the back, Cindy. I'll never forget when Cindy met with my wife. They went to lunch at Panera Bread. And Cindy said, I don't understand it, but God's been talking to me about ministering to girls. And Yvonne said, we understand it because we've been praying that God would raise somebody up to minister to girls on Wednesday night. And Impact Girls was born. Oh, come on, church. And there's Miss Betty back there who worked in the prisons for 11 years. And about a year and a half ago, God threw the door open wide. So she isn't just visiting as a volunteer. She's a chaplain out at Gas taking the truth of God's word to those who desperately need it. Oh, somebody, you need to hear it today. You are not alone. There's Sandra who leads our prayer ministry. Todd who leads Bible study. Larry who leads the woodlands. Oh, come on, church. We need to understand it. Mac and Rachel back there who leads Joy Fellowship. You are not alone. The devil wants to isolate you. He wants to cut you off. He wants to convince you you're all by yourself out there. Nobody cares about you. You've been forgotten. But God is here to say to you, you're not alone. Yvonne, over the last couple of months, we've met with many of these folks. And I want you to say publicly what you've said to them privately. First off, I say thank you to each and every one of you. And I look you square in the eye and I say, it's because of you, we're still here. Because you chose to step up and to step in and work with us. He can't do it alone. And from a wife's perspective, I can't thank you enough. Because you do pick up the gap. Because I do see him physically struggle at times. And I worry about him. But you said... I want to be a part. I want to do something. You call and you say, can we do this? Oh my gosh. That is so wonderful. So I say thank you. And it is because of each and every one of you. And if you're in a ministry, if I'm not looking at you, I want you to know. If you've stepped up and you're doing a ministry and you're doing it well, I want to say thank you and you are why we are still here. Bless each and every one. See, the whole point I'm trying to make this morning is it doesn't matter who you've been. It doesn't matter who you are. You're not alone. You're not alone. God has promised I'll never leave you or forsake you. It read in our text this morning, you're not forgotten. You're not forgotten. He sees you. He knows right where you're at. Stand to your feet with me, Tom. I'm going to ask you to go back to the piano. And I want you to sing that song we talked about. I don't know the name of it, but you do. It talks about the fact that the atmosphere is changing now. Some of you need the atmosphere of your life to change. Those of you who are candidates for baptism, would you please be dismissed at this time and prepare for baptism? 
If you're in this place today and you need to have someone agree with you, you need someone to help you through the fight, then as we begin to sing this song, I want you to step out and come. And these individuals are going to pray with you because you're not alone. If you need healing in your body, all the prayer of faith works here. The gifts of healing work in this place. If you need a miracle, God is still the God of miracles. You're not alone. God's able to meet you in this place this morning. So as Tom begins to sing, if there's a need in your life, I want you to step out and come. Don't wait for anybody else, but come right now. We're going to pray with you. We're going to pray for you. These individuals, go ahead, young lady, come right on down. You're coming. Don't wait for anybody else. Come on. You need something from God. Step out and come right now. As Tom begins to sing, let's believe God for great things in this house. If you have a need, step out and come this morning. They're going to pray with you and pray for you today. Don't wait for anyone else, but you step out and come today. Our prayer is that God will take this word and plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. Father, we pray for your great wisdom to infiltrate this listener, draw them to you, and take them gently down the road to their next destination in life. And if you're in need of a home church, we invite you to join us at Christian Heritage Church on Shera Road in Tallahassee, Florida. A multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. For a worship service where the presence of God has first place, you're invited to Christian Heritage Church. Sunday morning service is at 10.30, Wednesday evening at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For all the latest information, visit our website, chctoday.com.